Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. to me and it's just something in the philosophy of this book that's kind of just brought out all this stuff that I have inside and everything that I've always wanted to have in the church and it's something that that I really you know has been part of my thinking and I since we started the church and I wanted to be part of our DNA of this church I I want people when people say that this is their church anybody tell people this is my that's my church right no matter where you go, right? If you go to some other church, you still say, that's my church, right? I want you to mean that. I want you to mean, when I say this is my church, I want you to mean that. I want you to own a part of this. I want you to understand that and, and say this is the team that I play on. Amen? And even though we're not handing out contracts like A-Rod, but there's a different kind of contract, isn't there? It's something in you that says, you know what? If I connect and if I plug into this team and if it's where God wants me, incredible things are going to happen. Bigger than the zeros on A-Rod's contract. Say amen. So that's why I want to talk to you today using a title I took right from that book. Finding Your Fit. See, in my opinion... This is my opinion. You could disagree. Too many churches are built solely on personality. Think about that. They're built on a particular person's giftings, on a particular person's callings, his charisma, her charisma, his charm. And churches just stroll right in. Like everything's cool. That's all right. All right, cool. I'll just wait for you to... All right, thanks, 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 bro. So, so, so many churches are just built on, on, on that personality. You understand what I'm saying? And, and when, even when you advertise the church and when you, it becomes the name of the pastor or the leader. And so in this case, it would be George Martinez Ministries. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's built solely on the person. What happens when that person falls dies, retires. You, you can't have George Martinez ministries without George Martinez, right? But you can have a church. You can have the sanctuary fellowship without George. And so I need you to understand that. Now hear me. I want to pastor this church with all of my heart for as long as God wants me and calls me to do it. But I am not the sanctuary fellowship. Can we say amen? I'm not. And understand something else. Nor is this church my identity. I've heard so many and it breaks my heart when I hear men of God say, that church is me, that's who I am. And I say, man, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're not the, the, the church is the body of Christ, not the body of George. Amen. And so, so, you know, too many things are, 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 are that way. I want you to know that I am not the Sanctuary Fellowship. What is the Sanctuary Fellowship? Amen. It's a body of believers. I love it. We're so interactive. I love that. We're a body of believers made up of men, women, youth, kids, children, different cultures, different nationalities we have different visions different goals different dreams we have different skill sets different languages we have different passions different abilities different talents we play different roles we assume different duties some of us talk different some of us look different some of us dress differently some of us act differently but every piece fits Oh, man. I wish you could see the beauty of that from this side. You see the different... The, I love that there's not one shade of people in here. 
Amen? Heaven's not like that. I love that we're not all Puerto Rican Cubans. Because then this place would be too loud. I love that we're not all one kind of people. I love that we're... Man, it's a beautiful picture. Every piece fits. The word team... As an acronym, T-E-A-M stands, together everyone achieves more. Isn't that awesome? See, I can't do everything. And so it's awesome when I get together with Sal or Mark or, or Manny or Jennifer or Jess. And I get together with other people that can do things that I can't do. And I don't have to be jealous about it. I can stand with them and say, listen, what I don't got, they got it covered. That's a team. Amen? Because if... Oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. I want us to start thinking that way, to start thinking as a team. Because for a real team, we're all responsible for success. And we're all guilty for a failure. Everyone. Isn't that a different mindset of a church? We need to understand that our success is based on all of us. But it's not about just the team that I talk about all the time, those you see running around doing everything. It's not about those teaching and preaching and cleaning and setting up a real team where we're all responsible for the success of not just winning the race, but making sure everyone makes it across the line. Amen? It's a Semper Fi type of thing. Right? Where my soldiers at? Me and Israel. All right, amen. It's, a, it's a making sure everyone gets across the line. In Galatians, there's a verse in 5-7. Paul's talking about, you know, finishing the race and running the race. And then in 5-7, it says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you? Who deflected you from the true course of obedience? How many of you know some people, maybe even sitting in this room, but might mostly not, that were running the race wholeheartedly until something cut in on them. I remember people that were so full of passion that they could not shut up about God. Almost annoying. We know people like that. Like, you can't even sit on a bus, you know, you know where you go if you die? And, and everywhere they go, they just want to lead people to Christ. You know, everywhere they go, they want to tell people. You see somebody with a... With a I remember the coolest one. We had a lady, I won't tell you her name, but she used to go every, up to everybody that, and, and sometimes it was really scary guys, right? Big guys. I remember one guy, he had a huge um, crucifix tattoo on his arm. And it was graphic. It was Jesus hanging on the cross in his you know, naked body and his blood falling. She went up to this guy. I think we were at a funeral over here at Ortiz, one of those. She went up to him outside and she goes, you know why Jesus... Jesus is hanging there on your arm because he wants to be inside there. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like, what's this guy going to just punch her? She's like this big, you know? But she was one of those people that just, I mean, everywhere she went, she had this, this thing that people had to, like in her mind, you don't have enough time. And some of you are going to die real soon before you even know it. And there's no time for you to get ready. So if I'm with you today, I'm going to make sure that you're ready. Or at least you know that you're not ready. Anybody know people like that? And, and isn't it sad when somebody like that gets cut in on? And just, it's not even like a regular attender anywhere. It's not even, doesn't even go to church on a norm. Doesn't even, no longer could speak about anything because they know they've already been defeated in their heads. And they have, they have too much guilt and condemnation. We all know people like that, right? See, don't get me wrong. I love seeing new people come in. I love watching God change lives and families. But so many people come in and go out. And, and after a while, something cuts in on them. And, and it's sad to me when I don't see them anymore. And, and, the, the, and the rest of us just keep running. And we watch somebody that kind of falls. And we're like, well... You know, I got to make sure my family goes and, 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 and well, as long as, you know, my kid, I don't, and, and before we know it, that person is so far in the distance that we even forget, right? 
we forget that we left that person right on Beach Avenue and just bleeding. And we never went back to, to find out what happened. We never went back to try to lift them up. We never went back. It's so, it hurts me when I see people just kind of fall away like that. And I started thinking, what's the reason that people fall away? And the answer is simple. They never found their fit. The other day we were at Sal and Jesse's house. And for some reason, Sal started showing pictures on his screen. You know, he was showing off that he had the Xbox connected to the computer. <laughs> and he was like, check this out. And we're like, wow, you know, it was cool. But then he just kept showing pictures and pictures. And we started, he started with the pictures in our first church, which was my living room. Check this out. How many of you were there? All those hands were in my house. Amen. Thank you, Kayla. Wait, you weren't. <coughs> and we started looking at all these pictures of from the house church to the, to the little building over there on Beach Avenue. And we started looking at the services in Beach Avenue. And Beach Avenue was like this little square right here, like to, to Angelo. And it was like all of us excited. And we were like, yeah, packed, crowded, you know, like this. Yeah, I used to worship in the bathroom. It was so tight. The kids, the kids had their own room, like right there, with no door. We would hang like a, remember we hang a the divider thing that would fall and just try to keep the kids, you know, in a separate place. And the place was grimy and dirty. And we'd you'd all get there in the morning and vacuum and mop and spray. We're spraying all day long. Lisa was spraying, you know. And, and we were looking at all these pictures. And the beautiful thing about these pictures, exactly. That's, that's one of the beautiful things. But the other beautiful thing about those pictures is that we saw that a lot of those people are still with us. And we said, man, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. We saw that those, many of those that started with us are still here. And, and they're the original players on this team. And they still play for this team. And to me, that was incredible. One of the reasons is because when you start really small, it's easy for people to find their fit. Right? It's easy. When there's only 25 people, it's, it's easy to say, you know, we need this and we need that. We need, and somebody say, I'll do that, I'll do that, and I'll bring that. When there's only 25 people, we find out really quickly who's willing to clean, who's willing to work well with kids, who can talk to the youth, who can be with the, the adults. We, we find out right away because there's only 20 so it's easy. You say, yeah, I'll clean it, I'll mop it, and I'll bring the cake. And, 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 and so when it's little, everybody finds a fit right away. And once you find your fit, it's very hard for anyone to remove you from there. Because you fit. I belong. You got the jersey on. You got the hat on. You got the colors. You got the, the, the you know what I'm saying? You got a brand. It's like a tattoo. You put the number and the, and the color on. I'm part of this thing. You can't take me out of there. You know, to, to this point, I know by the time we get a mega church that we're going to build, Lisa's still going to be like, this is my kitchen. Oh, who are you? Back up. This is my kitchen. And, and we'll have to be, but Lisa, there's 2,000 people out there to make pateles. I don't care. I'll make pateles. Me and Sandy and Laura, we'll do it. So Lisa. You know, why? Because she found her fit. You understand? You find your place. And, and that's why people fall away. They don't find their fit. When there's a hundred, it's not that easy. It gets to the point where those on the team do what they do to those that show up. Be right there. And, and they rarely get a chance to get in the game. And when you don't get in the game long enough, you don't feel like a player. And when you don't feel like a player long enough, you don't feel like part of a team. And when you don't feel like part of a team, you start saying, I don't belong here. And so you got to jump. Or, or you let the enemy just get, get you, bombard you with things. You don't belong anywhere. Anybody felt like that? You don't, they don't need you there. You don't belong anywhere. And so you try someplace else, another church. And, and since you're new and they had you raise your hand, everybody greeting you and they inviting you to the house. But after two or three weeks, you ain't special no more. Somebody else came new and they're like, oh, but how about me? You're like, yeah, you know, I'm busy. I'm going to have them over um, maybe next week. 
what I'm saying? You, you become, and so you feel, I'm not part of the team. You know, I got a jersey on, but, you know, I never get to play. I never get in the game. And so, see, the, the, what, what I want to tell you today is that there are no bench warmers in the body of Christ. See, I, and nor do I want any bench warmers in this church. Bench warmers are just complainers that don't want to get in the game and just want to say they belong to something so that they can criticize it. We don't want no bench warmers. We want players, first string players, everybody's ready to get in the game at any given point. Amen? You see, what happened, Sal wanted to get off the drums. Freddie, come relieve me. Not, and got off the drums. Not even asked. It's just... There's a drummer here. I know he's sitting there. He's going to get right on so that I can do something else. And, and that's, that's what I mean. That's an active player on the bench. I'm not starting right now, but I'm ready at any given moment. And then he just picked up the beat and doubled it, and it was incredible. Amen? Oh, man. See, I, I want you to understand that when you became a member of God's team, you put on red. How many of you know before there were gangs in the East Coast and the West Coast, we were the Bloods? Come on. We were Bloods. And I know I got to watch where I preach this. But we were Bloods. <laughs> Hopefully the bullets will ricochet off the... We were Bloods before anybody thought of that. We put on red because God sees us through the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And that's why we can be made whole. Amen. And so the word of God says that when we enter into his family through obedience and faith, we're each given gifts. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we haven't, we don't hear this. We hear this in like little discipleship groups or, or little groups, but I want the whole body to hear this stuff. When, when we entered into his family, we were given gifts. And these gifts are God-given ability to fulfill what you were created to accomplish. And you were all created to accomplish something. Say amen. amen. Isn't that awesome that God gives us the gift that we need in order to be who we're called to be? So there's no excuses. We can make a million. I can't sing like him. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't play an instrument. Find out what you're called to be and do it. And shut up and stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Amen. Because imagine if we were all singers. But we'll all be up here and there'll be two people sitting there. For what? Imagine if we were all preachers. Oh, God forbid. We'd never shut up. Everybody just want to talk. Nobody be here to listen because everybody just preparing their next message in their head to what to speak. And we never grow. It'd be, it'd be sad, right? Imagine if we were all bass players. Just boom, boom, boom. It, you know what I'm saying? It, we all have to be different. We've all been given different gifts to accomplish what we've been called to do. Amen? It's right here in Ephesians. Jesus is talking. He says, therefore, he says, when they're talking about Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And he, in verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. See, everyone in God's family is gifted. Tell somebody, you're gifted. Tell somebody else, you gifted. What are you doing sitting there? We... You know, it, it's kind of, it's foolish. It's like having star players just sitting down doing nothing while out in the world we're losing the game. I know who wins, so I'm not worried. But, but you understand, we have all these people sitting around doing nothing with all of their skills and abilities and giftings and callings. And we're gifted people sitting around getting stupid. Amen? Sorry. See, we've, we've, the problem is we've seen it twisted for too long. Listen to this. God does not create superheroes to do everything. He gives all of us to do something. Come on, that's good preaching. 
God doesn't. And that's why if I asked you right now, if I gave you a month, go into your Bible and find the perfect man. Find the superhero. You find the most awesome man in the word of God, but aside from Jesus, who wasn't fully man, he was fully God also. So this is the difference. But you find me, you know, another thing, find the perfect family. That messed me up. When somebody hit me with that, go into the Bible and find the perfect family. I was like, all right. And I started, you can't. They're all messed up. They all got somebody, other baby daddy. They all got baggage. They got murderers, liars. The best of them, the best of them sold their wives into slavery. The best of them kill people on the side, on the DL. The best of them up on a roof looking at naked chicks and then having them brought over, sleeping with them. The best of them. You can't find a superhero in the word of God. So it's bad when we hero worship and we want to, oh, if we could be like David. No, I don't personally want to be an adulterous, murderous, killing lion. No, maybe I want to dance like him, cool. But he's not my hero, understand? Oh, I want to be like Paul. He could be just thrown in prison. No, no, Paul said he had issues too. He talked about it all the time. He said, of the greatest sinners, I am one. Right, so he, so, no, it's not to compare. God gives, he doesn't create superheroes to do everything. He gives us all gifts so that each of us can do something. Say amen. amen. I love that. Did you hear in that verse, did you catch the role of the pastor? Some, I don't know where this went, but it's in the word of God. And the role of the pastor is to simply equip you for the work of the ministry. I'm supposed to equip you for work. Why are I doing all the work? What's up with that? And why is it that some pastors believe they have to do all of the work? Could it be because they want all of the glory? Could it be because that's all they've ever seen? Could it be, I'll put it on you. Could it be because God's people have put all the pressure on leadership and believe their role is just to sit and criticize and end up leaving the church anyway when they don't see things happening the way they want it to happen? See, the role of leadership... Wait, did you know the church is not a movie? Did you know like Sunday mornings is not a movie? It's not for you to come and go and then go critique it? It's not a movie. If, if, if this is your church, listen to me, if church was boring today, it's your fault. I won't take, I won't take blame for it anymore. If, if you, and if people tell me all the time, I don't go to that ministry, that ministry is boring. If you're in that ministry, and I get mad, if you're in that ministry, and it's boring, stop being so boring. Right? Because if it's boring to you, it's boring to probably everybody there. So do something about it. I see boredom, so I need why? Because maybe I've been gifted to do something. Right? Man, there was no there was the worship was boring today. Well, worship wasn't for you in the first place. And secondly, it was probably boring because God had gifted 46 of you with the ability to dance, but none of you are dancing. And, and God has gifted, you know, the other 28 of you with the ability to play an instrument, but you won't do it in church. You won't learn a Christian song. Come on. Right? And, and probably, you know, God has gifted some of you to, to do, do interpretive dance and to do, to do skits and to do drama and to do spoken word like she did. And, and some of you are jealous now. You're hating on her. Because I could do that. I do that all the time. Well, do that and give God the glory for it and I'll let you do it here. Amen? Do it to God's glory like she's doing it and you could do it every week. As a matter of fact, Lori, get ready next week. I want another one. I love that. I love different flavors in worship, man, and just different ways of doing things. It, it shouldn't be boring. We're incredible. If the music... If the music is, is not your thing, man, maybe God gifted some of you with the ability to do something with music that you're not doing it, right? Because you're too busy trying to do it in the world or neglecting the gift and the calling that God put on your heart. Maybe God wants some of you to be 
I already told some of you, I want, I want turntables up. In the new church, I want turntables up on the platform. I told some of you already. And I want somebody, wick, 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 I mean, scratching, cutting in the appropriate times. But, but, but I, I mean, there should be no reason why, man, this, we should be fighting for positions of, of just positions to give God glory, not to be noted or anything like that. You understand? It will not be boring when you get off of your, and, and do something. Amen? Come on. See, the role of leadership is to equip you all to be leadership so that you will all equip others for leadership. And in all that, God's kingdom is built and established and healthy and strong and always growing. Always growing. I, I can't wait. This time next year, this church will be twice this size. Not because that's what I want, but because that's what God wants. Amen? And again, it won't be me, and it won't be the little team of people that I have. It'll be, this will be the core group of leadership. This will be our leadership meetings. Whoa. Those will last nine days. Because if all of you have an opinion at a meeting, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Let me rephrase that. You understand what I'm saying, right? See, our role as leaders, as pastors, is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Cool, cool concept here. The word equip, it's a Greek word called, it's a Greek word, katartismos. Who cares? You're in Greek, you don't know what I'm saying anyway. But it's a Greek word that sounds something like that. And what it means is to mend. Think about that. So I'm supposed to equip, the role of the pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry. The word equip is the word to mend. We see the same word in Mark where it says that James and John were mending their nets. So you see the nets were being mended to catch more fish. They were being equipped for the purpose that they were created for. We don't mend nets to have a net contest. You mend nets so you can throw them back out and catch more fish. See, so the word of God is, is designed and my role is to use the word of God to mend the gifts and abilities that you have to equip you to go back and do the work of the ministry. Amen? Exactly. So, see, when you mend something or you fix something, it's so that it can be used, right? I, don't, I need my car fixed right now, but I want it fixed so that I can drive it. Not so that I can have it in the driveway and say, hey, look, that's my car. You know, and maybe start it up and say, look, that's the way my car sounds. No, I want it fixed so that I can drive it to work and drive it to church and drive it. You know what I'm saying? I need things fixed, mended for a reason. God wants to mend and fix some of you for a purpose. Amen? Hallelujah. Some people come to church when they realize that they need some area of their lives mended. Right? And, and they come to the conclusion, man, that nothing else is going to fix this thing. I need God. The problem comes when God starts mending that thing and they think it's fixed so that they could go back and abuse it again. Come on. See, if I use my cell phone as a hammer... If I use my cell phone as a hammer and it no longer works, right? And so I call T-Mobile and I explain it to the kind people at T-Mobile. And anybody have T-Mobile and you ever called for help? They're the sweetest people in the world, right? They could curse you out but lovingly. I mean, they do it beautifully. I don't know where they live, but if I tell a ma'am, it's broken. You know, I, I used it to hammer something in real quick because I didn't have a hammer. But it doesn't work anymore. She'll say, um, sir, in the most polite manner, you're a moron. The phone is not designed to use as a hammer. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. You voided the warranty. And I said, but it doesn't work anymore. But it wasn't a hammer, sir. 
Yeah, but, but my phone has a warranty and it doesn't work anymore. And I'm supposed to call you when things don't work anymore. But sir, you used it for something it wasn't supposed to be used for. Thank you for that woo. That really come in there. Thank you. You used it. You voided the warranty. Thank you. Goodbye. And hang up on me. See, aren't we glad God is not like T-Mobile? Isn't it awesome that even though we void our warranties by using our bodies in ways that we shouldn't have used them or by doing things that maybe we shouldn't have done, isn't it awesome that God doesn't, um, he still gives us gifts that we may be equipped and that we may be mended? Isn't it awesome that he doesn't just brush us off the phone? Isn't it awesome that he says, come, come, bring your brokenness, bring your cracked screen, bring your damaged battery, Bring your missing buttons. Bring your cracked case. Just bring it to me and let's, let's see what we can do. Because I've equipped people to mend you. But once you're mended, don't go using that thing again the way it's not supposed to. Because you already know what's going to happen. Amen? Find the hammer. Don't use your cell phone. Because if you do it again, you know the results again. So, and, and, but the beautiful thing about God is that we can call him again and say, God. And he said, you used your cell phone as a hammer again, didn't you? And you say, yes, I did. My child, didn't you know that? Yes, I did. Okay, bring your cracked case and bring your damaged screen and bring your missing keys and bring your broken case. And let's see what we can do. Amen. Understand this today, church. You are gifted, and even now you're being mended and equipped to do the work of the ministry. It's time to find your fit. See, Paul was teaching the Corinthians about these spiritual gifts, and he uses this beautiful illustration in 1 Corinthians 12. If you got your Bibles, that'd be a good thing to bring to church once in a while, you know? Once in a while, we'll quote from it. It'd be nice if you had it there or you could take a note or something and maybe remember later on. 1 Corinthians 12 and 25, it says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Isn't that cool? There's a roach. And so I equip you to do the work of killing that roach. Go ahead. See, that's ministry in action. Is that awesome? I planned that. That's a trained roach. And I planned it right at this time to do that. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. Come on, you're not listening. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. See, in the book I'm reading, the, t- the chapter titled Finding Your Fit, he talks about an illustration that I actually want to demonstrate for you today with a visual. So I'm going to need two teens, two young adults, and two adults to just come. Come, come, quick. Come on, two, two, young, two, two youth right over here. Two young adults right in the middle there and, and, and two adults right over there. We got too many young people up in here. You're going to build a puzzle. I need a married couple. Give me a married couple. Come on. A married couple. All right, Larry and Joe, come on. No, I mean, you know, you're married and you're... Okay. You two and you and one person. One of you, vamos. All right. I want you to right now to open up those puzzles and build them as fast as you can. The first group to win. You can come around here, Laurie. You build it right here, build it right there, build it right there. Come on, cheer them on, cheer them on. (laughs) 
Isn't it so pretty, Joe and Larry doing a Care Bear puzzle? Looks like the single adults are in the lead. And the youth have finally turned over every piece. The youth are cheating. Megan, please. You're my daughter, please. Come on, I practice this at home. It takes two or three minutes. Oh, Joe and Larry are busting it out. Because they were smart enough to do the edges first. How many of you know that's how you do a puzzle? Come on, come on. All right, Spidey. Spidey and friends are coming together. You can do it. All right, we're coming. These guys, these guys are going to win. They got the whole frame done right here, the adults. The, the awesome team of Joe and Larry. Turn it, turn it, turn it. All the youth are catching up quick. Oh, the youth are almost done. Come on, guys. We only got two hours to preach this message. Up, up, down to one piece. One more piece. The youth take it. Stop. 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 Listen, listen, listen. Cheating youth. See, the beautiful thing is that we're all different pieces in this puzzle. And when we come together, we paint a picture. See? And this is, this is the youth. And you see, when, when you come together, that's, that's what, I mean, you have to see this. You have to really see this. When you come together, you paint a picture. When you come together, everyone in their place, every piece fits, and we tell a story. What happens with a missing piece? See, when their piece is missing, I can't even hold these up, so. When their piece is missing, the full story can't be told. When their piece is missing, the picture is incomplete. Come on, that's good preaching. The picture is incomplete. See, a part, a part, they might not seem like much, right? A part, we might not seem like much. A part, we might seem like something that's looking really crazy. There's bumps and edges and we don't look like we got it all together apart. But when you, when you fit that thing in there, everything comes together. When you fit that piece in, everything is clear. Amen? The body of Christ is supposed to paint a picture for the world to see. And so when each of us take our place and each of us find our perfect fit, we tell a story. Notice something, that when one little piece is missing, the whole picture is incomplete. Now listen, 
I don't mean mean missing by not showing up on church on Sunday. That is one way to be missing. But don't ever let the yoke of slavery come upon you again that you can't miss one Sunday. Or surely to hell you will go. Don't let the yoke of oppression and religion come upon you that it, it can't, like your anniversary, you can't go and spend time with your wife and not go to church, God forbid. Right? Don't, don't let that yoke come upon you that, that I, I have to be there every Sunday or God will not love me or not be pleased with me. That's not true. Many of you come every Sunday and you're still missing an action. That's the missing I'm talking about. Amen. Missing, missing means I'm not where I should be in the puzzle piece. Now, the awesome thing, well, I'll get to that in a minute. What I want you to see today is that how important each and every one of you is to this body. Every single one. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 again, starting in 14. Look at the way he puts it. It's such a beautiful picture. Look. Listen, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were an ear, where would be the hearing? Where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem weaker are still necessary. I want you to think about that. Those members of the body which even appear to be weaker are still necessary. If we said, what are the ingredients for a church? Well, we got to have a pastor. We got to have a worship team. We got to And so those are the big pieces, the ones that we see, right? And so what are the other ones? Well, who flushes the toilet? Well, in the beginning, the pastor does that, and that's okay. Amen. But, but see, even the ones that appear to be weaker are still necessary. We're each a very important piece of this puzzle. Amen? Last Sunday, every one of you is a VIP, a very important piece of this puzzle. Last Sunday, I already had the title of this message. I had already been talking to my wife that I wanted her to go and buy puzzles for me. And we go to McDonald's, and at McDonald's last Sunday... It got me so mad because McDonald's caught it before anybody else did. Everybody in the store had that t-shirt on. And you can't read it, but it's a puzzle piece. I didn't even notice it. My wife says, look at her shirt. And it says right here in the bottom, every piece, um, I am a VIP, a very important piece of the puzzle. And I said, so don't think, you know, I go around taking pictures of people's chests. My wife asked her if I could take a picture because you know we kind of explained ourselves and so I took a picture but it hit me the executives at McDonald's get it but the church still hasn't gotten it everyone they know that from the person that was cleaning the bathroom who I saw with the spray and the thing had the shirt on to the person that was up at the front greeting everybody taking their orders to the one that was in the back burning the fries to the one that was in the back undercooking the burgers to the, one, to the one that was in the back just hanging out doing nothing. And the McDonald's and executives understood that every single piece of the puzzle is important. And so everybody had that shirt on. See, if the food is perfect but the restaurant is dirty, they fail. If, if the place is clean but one portion of the food is undercooked, they fail. If the manager hires all of the people they need to do all of the work but one or two people don't show up, they fail. Say amen, last page. See, finding your fit in the church is not an easy thing, but it also is not as hard as we make it out to be. When you're putting together a puzzle, you try to do the obvious things. You put the borders first, right? 
Because it's easier to see where those fit because they have a straight edge. So it's easy to see where it fits, so you put it there. And so you line it around until you get all those borders together because it's easy. It's easy to see it has a straight line. You know that it goes there. Any moron could put together the edges. <laughs> no, 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 I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm just picking on Larry and Joe. You guys got it, you got it. They cheated, that's the only reason they won. See, but <laughs> when you're putting a piece of the puzzle, listen, listen, you take a piece and you try it out in one place. And if it doesn't fit, you spin it around. You try it a different way. And if it still doesn't fit there, you don't take the rebellious piece and toss it into the trash. No. Maybe you put it down for another time. Right? Or maybe you take it to another part of the puzzle. And over here you start to piece it in. And over here you start to spin it around. Right? You understand what I'm saying? See, some of you, listen. It's the same with each of you. You might have come here today from someplace else where you felt like your piece was not important. You might have come from a church that looked like a three-piece puzzle. There was only three important pieces and when those pieces were in, there was none, none of you mattered. That's not biblical. That's not a biblical model of the church. Some of you, you might have come here after being away from the body for such a long time. Say amen. You might have been neglecting your gifts for so long that you thought that your peace didn't matter anymore because your beast was so bent and battered and your piece was not, not really straight the way it should be. And maybe some of the color has worn off for your piece. And maybe, maybe that thing has just been, been through so much that it looks more like this than, than the front of it. You can barely, it is barely recognizable. But listen to me. This still has a perfect fit someplace in this puzzle. Somebody needed to hear that today. Don't let, um, I'm going to ask the ushers, as a matter of fact, to come up right now. Give me some ushers. And like communion, I want to hand out these puzzle pieces. I want everyone in the building to get a puzzle piece. I want you to take it home with you, put it someplace, put it on that, you know, that table where you put your, your keys and everything when you get home, throw it in the junk drawer, throw it someplace that every once in a while this thing is going to pop up and it's going to remind you, man, I'm a very important piece. I belong someplace. I need to, I might not have found my fit yet, but I'm going to keep turning. And I'm going to keep, and if I don't work out over here, I'm going to move to this side of the puzzle. And if I don't, and at one point or another, I'm going to fit right in there. And it's going to be a perfect fit because only you had that shape, that specific gifting, that calling, that desire, that passion. Only you. And so only you were shaped this way. And so everybody else could try. We could get in here and we do this in church all the time. And we make it fit. We make it fit. Right? Or like, like how many of you cheated with Rubik's Cube? You peeled all the stickers and put them back. That's the only way I ever did it. Right? And so we make it. We say, well, there's, there's no, well, you take it off and you fill it and, and you put some chewing gum or something. You make that thing fit. But that person does not belong in that ministry. That's not where they were called to be. Right now, they might just be filling in. They might just be taking the space. But it's still waiting for you to step into your perfect fit. Hand those pieces out. Don't let the limitations that were put on you in the past or the limitations that you put on yourself hold you back any longer. I don't care if you haven't played with a puzzle in 15 years. It's time to get your piece and start playing with that thing. Start putting it and start finding where it belongs and start turning it and start getting together with like-minded people. And, and when you get, get in the right zone and when you get in the right 
you're going to find that that thing fits perfectly. And that's when, that's when that area of ministry is going to flourish in the church, in the body of Christ. Listen, God deserves your very best. He doesn't deserve someone taking pieces off and trying to fill where you belong. God deserves your best. He doesn't deserve a, a duct tape puzzle. How many of us have our lives kind of looking like duct tape puzzles? Come on. The book I'm reading closes this chapter with these words. I just want to end with this. God deserves our very best. So when you worship, worship with everything that is within you. And when you serve, serve him with all you got. And if you sing, sing your heart out. Train, don't just try. Prepare, don't just perform. Practice, don't just pray. Everything matters because he deserves our everything. I want you to make sure that everybody today, if they're even not in here, that they get a puzzle piece because they matter. They're in children's ministry right now. They're teaching our kids. They're watching our, our babies. They're, they're training up our, our, our preteens. They matter. They're an important piece of the puzzle. And if they didn't get to hear the message, they get, get to hear it on the internet. Monday night, right? It's up on the internet. Today, today, by tonight, it'll be up on the internet. So, you know, when you guys miss a message and you want to hear the message, just go to sanctuaryfellowship.org and you can download it for free, podcast it, do whatever you want with it. Just listen to it. But become a part of that thing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's stand for a moment and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.